like a normal Sunday. Good morning, Firewall Bible Fellowship. Obviously, we are not together this morning. Uh, we are not going to let Snowmageddon 2021 stop us from Love Sunday. And so we have come together, uh, got a wonderful team. I want to say thank you to Matt Clark and Jess and Josh Paxton and Kathy Burke uh, have come up here uh, so that we can have a service that is streamed for you this morning. And our hope and our desire is that you will not only know you are loved, but you will know, most importantly, that you are loved by God limitlessly and lavishly. And so on this Valentine's Day, the topic is love, which seem, seems pretty, pretty apropos, doesn't it, Kathy? Yeah, so uh, guys, if you have not uh, gone out and got that perfect Valentine's Day gift, there's still time. Tom Thumb, I'm sure, is open. You can just ice skate on over there. Uh, but let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. In our opportunity to gather together uh, in your name, wherever we are gathered this morning. And uh, Lord, we believe that you have a purpose uh, for every, every part of our life. Uh, Lord, we can, we can trace our timeline uh, over the years and that moment when you grabbed the hold of our heart. And you drew us uh, to your heart. And we found ourselves home. And so this morning, we, we turn our minds, our hearts, and our souls towards you. We ask that we'd be able to rest in your love this morning. We love you, Jesus. May you be honored above everything from our hearts, our homes, and from this church. In your name we pray. Amen. So we'll cut right there. What was it? Okay, show me what. Oh, yeah, I, my tempo was faster. Yeah, okay. I'll do it a little slower. Yeah, well, a little bit, because that's what pretty much is saying. No. 
I got you, though. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Tell me when you're ready. You gonna be able to cut that? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to give you too much work. I'm not sure if you've ever struggled to believe that you were loved, but this song over and over tells you, you are loved.
same But this I know with all my heart you are love You may feel broken and beyond repair But this I know my friends you will love It's a love that reaches to the heavens It's a love that stretches across the sea It's a love that dies for sinners It's a love that sets us free I'm no prophet I'm barely a saint, but this I know with all my heart you are love. You are love. Yes, you are love. You Yes, you are love. What would possess a man to stand in the street corner with a barber clutch in his hand unless you were truly loved? No matter who you are or what you've done, no matter how you feel or where you're from, you would love anger and anxiety, depression and rage, hammering sorrow. You're smiling on the Facebook pages. Listen, my friends, you were loved by God. The greatest demonstration of all is he gave us his son. So come to the table and enjoy the feast, mercy and grace for y'all his masterpiece. Hey, I'm no prophet. Heck, I'm barely a saint. But this I can say with all my heart, you will love. Heaven's gonna come on down. 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 I'm no prophet. I'm barely a saint, but this I know with all my heart you I love. Moms, come bring the kids and hang out in the gym this Thursday. February 18th at 10.30 a.m. We will have the coffee brewed and ready for you as you stay and chat while the kids play. We will be having baptisms on Sunday, February 21st during the 11 a.m. service. If you are interested in being baptized, one of our guest service volunteers can provide you with a form or you can click on the faith and baptism graphic on the front page of the website and fill out the form there and Pastor Chris will follow up with you. Any golfers out there? Well, grab those clubs and join us at Waterview Golf Course 
Saturday, March 27th at 8 a.m. for a golf tournament. The cost is $60 per person, and you can sign up in the lobby or online on the giving page. The last day to register is March 17th. Contact Keegan McCarthy at keeks80 at gmail.com for more info. Want more details on these or any of our other events? Check us out online at firewheelfellowship.com or you can always check us out on social media. Well, good morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. Let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word, word. Okay, so a couple of announcements. Uh, as you already heard it in the announcement video, next Sunday, that's February 21st, is Baptism Sunday. What a, a great opportunity to take that next faith step in your spiritual journey. If that is something you were interested in, in talking about or you're interested in asking some questions about, please go online, fill out the form, just click on the faith and baptism tab and fill that out and I will follow up with you this week. Uh, again, I want to tell you happy Valentine's Day. I hope you're having a great, great Valentine's Day today. And uh, also want to encourage you uh, to continue faithful and generous support of the work of the ministry. Would love to encourage you to go onto our website, click on the giving tab, and uh, you can also uh, send your resources in via the mail and also text uh, 972-702-7005. Let us continue to worship the Lord in our faithful, faithful giving. Well, welcome to Love Sunday here at Firewheel, and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to report we do not have a boat anymore. Uh, in fact, I had a couple of people encourage me to just keep the boat in here and call it the love boat. The love boat, exciting and new. But I shared that with the staff and they said absolutely not. So the boat is gone, uh, but this morning this beautiful display uh, that Leah Newman put together just to remind you that you are loved this morning. So we begin with a rather simple statement, and, and we're in our Bibles, we're turning to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 8, and, and we're going to begin with a, a, a very, very simple statement, and, and I say that it is simple. It's one of the more profound and, and radical and apparently even dangerous statements in the Bible. It is a statement that I've been told many times over the years to be careful with. You, you can't just let it sit on its own. It, you, you have to almost like build some theological fencing around it because if you don't, maybe heresy or false teaching will break out. It's crazy that three little words can cause uh, so much angst among the theologians that somehow, like if these words are not qualified by further explanation... That somehow like the whole of God's character and, and nature would somehow get corrupted. And I don't think any of us have any problems with statements like this, like God is holy. I think we, we all would agree that God is holy or God is just and God is righteous. Uh, some of you this morning may be thinking God is angry or God is impossible to please. Well, there's a statement that we're going to read this morning that it, we, I say we, I, struggle to come to grips with, and I almost short-circuit spiritually when I read it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. 
God is love. It's almost like we don't quite know what to do with that. It's like receiving a big box of parts, but no instructions, and we can't really figure out how it all fits together. I mean, we see the different components through the scriptures, but where does the love of God fit? Where does God is love not only fit in the scriptures, but how does it fit in my life? You know, I must confess that out of all of the years of my own personal spiritual life, I have talked about and I have taught and reflected on the love of God. And I, I've tried to reflect and, and kind of process it through what I'll call the three realms. The three realms. The first realm through the scriptures is the theological level. Okay, this is what the Bible teaches about God is love and the love of God. And then it moves to the theoretical, like this is how it should play out in my life and in the life of the community of believers and in my family and in my own spiritual life. And, and then there's a third realm. So you start at the theological, then to the theoretical, and then to the experiential, where I'm actually experiencing the theological and the theoretical. And it's in that third realm that I have personally struggled to experience that God is love. Years ago, I had met uh, for a season with an amazing counselor, and, and as we talked, in the middle of a sentence, she, she broke in and she said, Chris, are you loved by God? I mean, with my head, like, I can answer that question. Of course, like, theologically and theoretically, yes. God loves everyone limitlessly and lavishly. That is the gospel. That's what I preach, and that's what I share with others. And God loves the world. And she broke in. She said, no. <laughs> Does God love you? It was like a moment of just like raw, exposed honesty. where I answered from my own heart. How could God love somebody as broken as me? And, and how can everything that I've experienced, whether in the past or then in the current, that moment, how is that experiencing God is love? I'm not sure if any of you can relate to that. But this study of God is love is first very personal for me. Because on the experiential level, I have struggled to believe and embrace that God truly loves me. But then I read, right? Like, God is love. Or in the Greek, ha theos agape estin. And it's fascinating how the Greek is constructed because it's constructed in such a way that it, it really starts to boggle the mind. It's not just declaring that, that God is loving or that he does loving things, which that is true. It's actually declaring something far more significant. That, that God by his very nature, by his very character, is love. That 
this love, if there's any love in this world that God is the source, like he is the fountainhead, he is the author of love, like God is the substance, he is, he is love, like the embodiment of love. And that means everything that God does flows through that love. Like when he creates, he creates in love. That we read in Genesis chapter 1, like in the beginning, God, that when he, he spoke and he created the, the, the celestial realm and the terrestrial realm, he created in love. And when he took of the dirt and he formed and he fashioned like the divine artisan and breathed into man the breath of life through that holy kiss, that was a, an, a, an act of love. That was a, a creation of love, a crafting of love. And that when he took of man's side and he made woman and brought her to him and he broke out in the first like hymn of praise, see stuff of my stuff. She is called woman, for she was taken from me. Happy Valentine's Day, right? Like the most beautiful picture. God officiating the first wedding between man and woman. And he brought them together. That was an act of love. That when God crafted you in your mother's womb, the scriptures tell us that he, he forms and he fashions us. Like he writes every single one of our days in his book before we live a single one. That all of that flows through his love. God rules through love and judges through love. Everything that God does is directly shaped by love. Now, God is love in its most purest form and state. There is no pure love. God's love is, is an eternal love because there was, there's no time where God wasn't. There is no time where God isn't. That means God is love stretches the eternal timeline. God's love is everywhere at all times. Why? Because God is everywhere at all times. God's love is infinite because God is infinite. We can, we can declare it. God is love. And his love is no more evidenced than in the very next statement I'm going to make. Because yes, God is love, but humanity is lost. Like somehow, those two statements that God is love and humanity is lost come come like crashing together at the cross. Humanity is lost. I mean, that's where I was. You know, from my own experience, 20 years ago, I was separated from God. I had no knowledge of God or relationship with Him. He was in none of my thoughts and in none of my ways. I wasn't looking for God. <laughs> I mean, all of the crazy stuff I was doing, trying to fill the void, maybe that was searching for God, but it was God who was coming after me. I see today in those tired expressions of the lost, like trying to fill the void with anything and everything in their life, just wanting to be loved but lost. That is, that is the great description of our culture. Desperately wanting 
to be loved, but lost. And that, that feeling, that, that, that emptiness, that pursuing of trying to fill that void, it's, it's not just on the tired and exhausted faces of the lost, but on the saved. Like for believers, because just, that, just because we're believers does not mean that we are experiencing the love of God. We may theologically know it, we may theoretically know it, but that doesn't mean we are experiencing it. So again, the question is, how do these two statements come together? How do they converge that God is love and humanity is lost? And again, I'll say it, it converges. They come crashing together at the cross of Jesus. You see, family, the, the cross, it's the, it's the greatest declaration. It, it's the greatest demonstration. It is the greatest revelation that, yes, God is love and humanity is lost. That flowing from the heart of God, who is love, manifested the greatest love mission ever attempted in history. The cross, it is an eternal rescue mission to get us back. That is why we read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, in this, in this singular event, Scan history to this moment where the love of God was made manifest among us. This, this moment in time where God is love and humanity is lost come crashing together. And there's no doubt about it, right? The Bible tells us that humanity is lost. Like I'm reminded of passages like Genesis 6 verse 5 that, right prior to the flood that, that God had had enough. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And so God judged the world through the flood. But as I read that, I'm like, I don't know if much has changed. Right? Like, this kind of sounds like all the stuff that splashes across our news feeds and TV screens. And it makes me wonder, like, what does God see in this world? Like, what is it? What is it about this world that he, he loves? What is the people in it? And this is what's so fascinating because in, in 1 John 4, 9, we read not of God loving the world and then judging the world. He loves the world and then he judges his son. Though sinless, he would be treated as a lawbreaker. Though holy, he would be treated as the worst of sinners. So those of us as, as the worst of sinners could come into his presence and be holy. I'm going to ask that you turn in your Bible to John Three. Know where I'm going, right? You know this verse. You've read it before. Well, let's read it together. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Family, God sent his 
one and only son, knowing full well that the world was going to reject him. His own people, Israel, would condemn him. The Romans would crucify him. God sent his only son, that is his unique and only, the son of God. Knowing that there were no other possibilities, there were no other options, no other plans, God went all in at the cross. His son was going to suffer and die. And we can see it in the scriptures. We can, we can walk through it, right? Like he was born and bodies were raised. Sight was restored. Demonics were set free. The sick were being healed. The masses were being taught. Then came his suffering and death. The veil was torn and the grave he was laid. And breaking forth from the tomb, the love of God broke out. The sin of man had been atoned for with the declaration, He is risen. In this, the love of God was manifested. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. That apart from Him, we have no life. But through Him, we not only have life, but life eternal. And into this fallen world, the Son of God was sent. This world that is full of violence and death and sickness and greed and war and evil, but from the foundations of the earth, it had always been decreed that Jesus would come to pay a debt that humanity could not pay, to give a gift that humanity could not earn, <laughs> and to lavish love, like radically lavish love on a people who did not deserve it. As the Bible declares, all who believe will not perish, but will have eternal life. You know, something hit me this week. Just a, a thin sheet of ice can separate us from eternity. We saw that in the, the massive accident in, in Fort Worth and that, 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 that gut-wrenching moment where we realized we're not just watching an accident. We're watching six souls' final breath. And we're reminded that life is so frail and so momentary. A group of people probably just getting up, going about their day and going to work. And just a thin sheet of ice. And so when I read John 3, 16, when I meditate on that, like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all who believe in him will not perish, that yes, we die, but there is, there is this moment and this reality, the paradox of the kingdom that when we physically die, but no, we live, we will have eternal life. This week I was reading with a friend out of the Greek New Testament because I'm nerdy like that, right? Like he started his Greek studies and I was like, oh my gosh, let's do it together. And we were talking about Greek. Well, I was reading the end of John 3, 16 because he goes, hey, can you test me? And I was like, sure. 
And so I started reading some words, and he's like picking stuff out. And I love the end of John 3.16 because it says, Me apolitai ha eke zoen ionion. <laughs> zoen ionion. Will not perish, but will have forever life. Entering in to God's eternal love for Ionion forever. Family, what we have in Christ and what we see and what the Father has done, it is, it is the greatest picture of love. That just as Jesus declared in John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay his life down for his friends. And as we look at the scriptures, I'm like, somehow <laughs> I've considered his friend. And then I'm like, Jesus has a really poor pick in friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, think about that but he loves us. Back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 again in this, in this solitary act, this is love. And, and it's not that, that we loved God, but that he loved us. I mean, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like, we were not God's seekers. It is God who loved us. And if we love God, it's because we first received his love. And I love how this, this scripture records. It says, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. I know you use that word a lot. I encourage you to drop that in a sentence this week. Propitiation. For our sins, while complicated and, and sound, it's actually profound when we break it down. And so when I, when I look at this solitary act of love, I'm reminded that God was not motivated to love, to such an extreme love, because humanity was loving God. No, we were—I <laughs> mean, I don't know. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm just—I can only speak for me. I was running as hard and as fast away from God. I, I mean, literally, I still remember it. Like, I, one of my favorite sayings, it was really a song, I'm on a highway to hell. I mean, I used to sing that. And I was. I'm going down. Like, and God sent his son. As a propitiation, that word propitiation, it means an atoning sacrifice. It means that God was restoring and was seeking to restore a relationship between himself and humanity through Jesus. See, only God could restore that relationship. We cannot restore our own relationship with God. You know, there's like monks, they sit on mountaintops. And years of self-denial and philosophical meditation. Only to be no closer to God than, than the late night dancers or early morning bourbon sippers. 
Man has attempted to devise every means and mechanism to restore or somehow create a system of belief that will, that will somehow bridge the gap between themselves and some distorted view of God. <laughs> Stumbling in the darkness, blinded to the light. You know, it reminds me of, of like when one of our children, they go rummage around their room and they, they pull together a couple nickels because they hear mom and dad struggling with finances and they're like, I just want to help pay the bills. And we're like, oh, that's so cute. But on the spiritual level, it's not. I mean, we rummage around and we got a couple spiritual pennies, you know, and we're like, I'm ready to pay my own debt. It's never enough. We can't pay enough. Because the relationship between God and man is so broken that God would actually have to restore the relationship. And so God sent his son, Jesus, though sinless and perfect and righteous, died in the place as a substitute for sinful humanity. And in his body, he paid the eternal debt of sin so that we as sinful humanity through faith in Jesus, just through faith, through belief, through trust, and what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we can be forgiven and cleansed and made right before God. <laughs> like a barbecue stain on my white t-shirt. <laughs> but instead of a white t-shirt, it was our souls. And instead of barbecue sauce, it was sin. And instead of a little bleach and laundry detergent, the only thing that could cleanse our souls is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We approach God with a few spiritual pennies and Jesus steps in and pays the debt in full. That is propitiation. And all of it, because we ask the question, why? Why would God do all that? Why? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, and check this out, because of the great love with which he loved us. It's not just love. It's like great love. It's, it's the greatest love. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. And that, that's the thing that like blew my heart wide open. Because I'm like, wait a second. If he loved me with that type of intensity and love when I was dead in trespasses and sins. Why do I struggle to believe now that I am in Jesus? Why do I struggle to believe that intensity of love is for me at this very moment? And, and it's this, this, this place where, where the, the playing field is leveled. And, and we as humanity, that with, with this miracle that we have received Jesus, that, that beautiful miracle, even when we were dead in trespasses, it keeps us from being critical of the rest of the world, going, I don't think God loves those people. Look how broken they are. Look at how, how sinful they are. Look how stinky. And it's like, oh yeah. I remember now 
when I was dead in trespasses and sins, he loved me. And I got a feeling he loves those people too. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. This is a together proposition. See, we, we're not just made alive in Christ alone. We are made alive in Christ together. Family, there's together. We as believers together have been made alive in Christ. That is the beauty of the church. This, this loving place where we, not, we don't just say you are loved. We live you are loved. And we were reminded that it is by grace, it's all by grace, that we have been saved. And then here's this, this wonderful, I'm going to take us to one of the more sublime passages in all of the Bible. It is a passage that I often forget. Because circumstantially, you know, I struggle at times and I start to question and doubt met a, a, a young man at the gym this past week. The first day I met him, I was working out. <laughs> I was a little inconvenienced because I was like the middle of my, middle of my workout and, and I complimented him and I was like, okay. Like I was like, hey, you did a great job there. And uh, I didn't realize that meant we were gonna have a longer conversation and he came up and he was like standing in front of the exercise bike like waiting for something. And I realized, I was like, this is probably a divine appointment. And so I stopped pedaling, and he asked me my story, and how am I going to be able to share my story without sharing Jesus' story, right? And so I'm sharing what the love of God had done in my life. And, uh, you know, he shared, he's like, you know, I, I don't really have a faith in God. And I said, that's okay. You know, if you ever have any questions, well, the very next day I'm at the gym. There he is. And this time I'm not inconvenienced. I'm excited. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. And uh, he kind of followed me into this other area, and he goes, do you ever have any doubts? I was like, what an honest question. And I told him, I said, you know, probably not the same kind of doubts, but I do have doubts. Sometimes I struggle, like, with God's goodness, and, and I struggle with his love, and because I, I, I struggle to see how these circumstances, how, how, this mean, how this reflects God as love. And I struggle with that. We got to have a little bit more of a, uh, a spiritual conversation. But then I'm, I'm taken to passages like this, which is to remove these doubts. Because the question is, what can separate us from God's love? If we are truly uh, not only loved by God, but we enter into his love through faith in Christ, what can separate us from that love? I'm reminded that, that, that Paul asks these questions, who shall separate us or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Or all? <laughs> I'm like, those are terrible circumstances. Should, should those separate us? From the love of God, does that separate us from the love of God as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered? Paul says, no. No. And all of these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. He writes this, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, he sums it all up, will be able to separate us from the love of God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. And so that means I work through the three realms. I look at it from the theological. God is love and I am loved. Then I go to the theoretical. This is, this is how I should experience that love and live it out. And then I, then I move it down into the experiential because then I can look at my circumstances and I can be like, you know what? These circumstances aren't good, but I know God is. And I know that as I get closer and closer to his heart, I'm going to get closer and closer to the heart of love. And that's where I'll experience it. So I have a few spiritual recommendations for us this morning. Because that, that is really the pay dirt, right? Like, how do we apply it? How do we live this out? What steps are we going to take this week? Don't take this week off. Don't take this, this, this day off. Don't, don't take it off. There may be a, a big snowmageddon thing happening, but, but don't stop spiritually growing. What spiritual recommendations are you going to apply? First, God is love. I'm just going to say it. God is love. I'm going to say it again. God is love. I'm going to say it again. God is love. <laughs> I feel like it's worth the risk of letting that out. <laughs> Write it down, read it aloud, shout it out. Write it on your mirror, print it out. Share it with others when you hear them talking about God. Share with them, hey, God is love. Oh, how do you know that? I can tell you about the greatest demonstration of his love. For God so loved you. He gave his one and only son that all who believe in him will not perish but have life ionion, eternal life. Greater love has none than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. Friend, Jesus laid his life down for you. You are loved. God's love is an eternal love. God's love is everywhere at all times. God's love is infinite. And the closer we get to the heart of God, the more we are going to experience his love. And so my encouragement for you this week is, is draw near. Draw near to the heart of God through prayer. Draw near to the heart of God through scripture and through worship. Draw near to his heart. Secondly, looking for love. <laughs> I'm going to say in all the wrong places. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I mean, you see this in the social media pics that show more skin than shirt. The Hallmark movie marathons, the steady stream of rom-coms, the steady stream of new relationships, the seeking of anything and everything to fill the love void in the soul. We are starving as a people. We are starving spiritually. We are starving for the love that only God can provide. Please hold on to this. We will never experience the fullness of God's love until we experience the fullness of God's Son. We will never experience the fullness of God's love until we experience the fullness of God's Son. And that is why I end with this the cross. 
For it is on the cross where God is love and humanity is lost, converge and crash together. The place where the love of God, unearned but lavished, where our sin was paid, where he was our substitute, and the grave he was buried, and the third day he rose. And the Bible declares all who believe will receive eternal life. I feel like God is just saying simply, will you be my valentine? <laughs> will you receive my love today? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we gather together in the name of your Son. We ask our Father, our Daddy in heaven, that you would draw us near your heart, that through faith in your Son, we are invited into intimacy of relationship with you. We need your love more than anything else in this world. If you have not received the love of God for you, placed your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross, and you desire this morning to do that, in the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried and I believe you've risen. Please, Jesus, save my life. I don't want to be lost anymore. I receive your love. If that's truly your heart's prayer, you've passed from spiritual death to life. You are forever a son or daughter of the living God. And though God has always loved you, you now get to experience the fullness of God's love through the fullness and faith of his son. Welcome to the family. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Well, family, it has been wonderful to be together. Next week, we start a brand new series called Together, Together. <laughs> one word that changes everything but it's time to go into the world in peace have courage hold on to what is good honor all men strengthen the faint-hearted support the weak help the suffering and share the gospel love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. We'll see you next time.